Well, good morning, church. Every time I hear that story in the scripture, and even this morning, I'm thinking, man, if I was Mary, I would have been panicked. God's son, and I lost him. Man, you know, I, I think it would have uh, stirred some, some stuff in my heart. And isn't that the way, though? Don't we panic when we should know? She, 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 it, 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 we look at it now and we think, well, why didn't she think he'd be in the temple, you know? But how many times in our lives does stuff happen? And then at the end we go, oh, yeah, why didn't I think to pray? Or, or why didn't I think to go to my Heavenly Father? Or why didn't I reach out, you know? So, you know, I, I can feel for Mary in that. Well, you know what? We're thrilled to be with you folks today. It was a lovely drive from Brandon over to Killarney. We have made this drive before that wasn't so nice, but today it feels like spring out there. We won't talk about what's going to happen tomorrow because I've heard some of that white stuff's going to fall. But you know what? Jesus doesn't promise us tomorrow, so let's rejoice in today and be thankful for spring that's here. Uh, you know, it's interesting, as, even as I was watching that video for the kids too, I was thinking, you know, Jesus says, I need to be where my father's doing his work. And you know what? I could say the same thing because I need to be where my father's doing his work. And you know where he's doing his work? In a little farmhouse just outside of Brandon that is full of these beautiful women in front of me. God does amazing things there, folks. Teen Challenge has been around for a long time, but you know what? It never gets old. You know, we get to be a part of watching people's lives change. And I I don't mean just a small change. I'm talking dramatic change. Uh, Some of these women have come to us, you know, broken and and battered and and beaten and inside and on the outside and, and just lives that there was nowhere left to turn. And when they come to TC, you know what we do? We don't talk about the effects drugs have on them. We don't talk about, you know, maybe choices you should have made. We talk about Christ. And because, you know what, I say this every church I go to, these women didn't wake up one day and say, hey, you know what, I think today I'll become an alcoholic. Or, you know what, I think today I'm going to go live a life on the streets so that I can use drugs because that just sounds like a great plan. No, you know what, nobody makes that choice. The reason you get into some of those things is because you have things that have happened to you in your life. Sometimes choices we make, sometimes circumstances that we're born into that make it that, you know what, sometimes that's where you find yourself. And that's the the addictions you you find yourself struggling with because, you know what, you don't want to feel things anymore. So you numb yourself with addictions of any kind. And that's what TC is. We don't call ourselves a rehab. We we actually call ourselves a discipleship program for people with life-controlling addictions because everything that we do in that little farmhouse outside of Brandon is focused on Christ. It's all about what Jesus can do, a relationship with him, and allowing him to heal those parts of their lives so that when they're finished at TC, they can go back to their family, or sometimes for some of them it's starting a whole brand new life you know sometimes going back to where they came from isn't an option anymore because they're just not good choices back there so sometimes they stay in Brandon or they go and they do other things so that they can have a brand new life so this morning I just want to thank you for opening your doors you know we always appreciate churches that say hey come and tell us about what God's doing in your lives because you know what we could probably sit here for the next hour and talk about what God's doing in the lives of these women and uh, we just thank you for opening your hearts to us Tracy Plett, I don't know if uh, any of you know her or not, but she was uh, she graduated almost a year ago, has gone on to do mission work in uh, Ireland as well as Jamaica. She actually just returned from Jamaica not long ago. Now she's going to go back to school. She's getting married. She's got a life again. And that's because of her time that she spent with us. We don't, we don't say Teen Challenge makes a difference. It's Christ. We're just the vessel that, that Christ uses to reach people's hearts. And you know what? We, we appreciate it when churches like yourselves come alongside us and say, you know what? We realize there must be financial challenges that you guys have. We, we don't take any government money. 
And there's one really easy reason for that, because as soon as we take government money, we have to allow the government to have a say in our program. And as soon as we allow the government to have a say in our program, we can't talk about Christ anymore. So we're completely donation-based. Uh, we do do some you know, big fundraisers, and we do work detail, but lots of times it's just ordinary folks like you who faithfully give us you know, a monthly pledge each month. And uh, if that's something you're interested in, we have some literature at the back that you're welcome to grab. But know, folks, that as much as we need financial help, we, we need your prayers more than anything. You know, it's a spiritual battle there every day at that house. These women have walked through some tremendous things, and trust me, the enemy doesn't want them to be free. So we covet your prayers. Uh, if there's anything that you feel like you can do, say monthly partnership isn't something you can do, but you know what? You're a farmer, and, and you have a beef cow you're willing to give us, or somebody told me they wanted fish. I don't know. Anything. We, we welcome anything, because you know what? We, we just rely on God for everything. So if God stirs your heart, then you know what? We would be more than thankful to uh, whatever it is he tells you to, to bless us with. So I'm going to grab one of the mics back there. I'm just going to let the girls introduce themselves. I'm sure you want to know who they are. Hello, um, I'm Lisa Johnson. Yeah, I'm from wherever you name it. I've probably lived there, but currently I live halfway between Dauphin and Swan River in a tiny community of 15 homes called Cowan. And uh, this is Takara Baker, and she's from Verdon, Manitoba, and she's hearing impaired. Hello, I'm Chantelle Duick. I come from Steinbeck, Manitoba. Hi, my name is Sarah. I've been with these women at Teen Challenge in Brandon for five days now, and it's been awesome. So. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bethany. I'm a staff at Teen Challenge, and I went through the program, and I'm from Goddorch, Ontario. Hi, I'm Charlene Madison. I'm been in the program for four months. I'm from Vancouver, B.C., Hi, I'm Savannah Duick, um, also from Steinbach, Manitoba. Uh, I graduated last November, and now I am doing an internship, so just coming alongside of Kim Lowe's and, and just serving wherever I can. Hi, I'm sorry, Cindy McFarlane. I am from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, so your neighbor. <laughs> and uh, I've been here just shy of six months. And that's the ladies of Teen Challenge. And uh, you know what? They're here from all over the place, and they've been here for all kinds of times, from five days to, you know, they're a graduate of the program. And uh, it's pretty exciting to, uh, to be able to be here with you today. Uh, these three women now are just going to do a testimony called Truth Reality. Do you want to know what reality is? Reality is attempting suicide for the first time in elementary school because drugs and alcohol weren't enough to deal with bullying, abuse, and a mother dying of cancer. And reality... Reality is clutching a knife under your pillow because you made drugs your living in order to support a gang that didn't love or support you. And reality... Is breaking a restraining order put in place for your protection because you're worried that he'd feel bad about beating you again? How do I know that's reality? Because that was me. Reality is having your husband come home to your four year old son, crying and scared because he can't wake up mummy, who has passed out on the couch. 
Reality is not being able to forgive yourself for cheating on your husband, so drinking continually and almost to death to numb the shame and the guilt. Reality is believing the devil's lies that you are a worthless mother and wife. And hearing your daughter's cries as you walk out the door with your suitcase, selfish motives, and bottle of booze. How do I know that's reality? Because that was me. Reality is leading your best friend into prostitution at the age of 14, leaving another sick and withdrawing off of heroin just for drugs, alcohol, and men. Reality is being so messed up you don't realize you were part of an intentional hit and run that killed one and left another in a coma, having a warrant out for your arrest and a hit on your life at the age of 17. Reality is being trying to end your life being handcuffed and taken to a hospital, trying to get out of there just so you can go home and try all over again. How do I know that's reality? That was me. So we all have different realities. We all share the same truth. And the truth is, I came to Teen Challenge in October. Amidst the first tears I cried, I gave my heart to Jesus. And on December 29th, I was baptized, free of the gang, free of my ex, and completely sober. And the truth is that my past may have influenced me, but it doesn't define me. God does. And he defines me as good, as worthy, as lovable and loving. A daughter of the light that doesn't have to fear the darkness anymore. And the truth is that whatever storms and troubles may come my way, I'm really looking forward to the future. Because I know that God always makes things work out for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. The truth is, the devil no longer controls my mind, but it is being renewed every day with Jesus. For there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, and I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. The truth is, God has swept away my offenses like a cloud and my sins like the morning mist. Coming to Teen Challenge, I have returned to him, and he has redeemed me. The truth is, I stand on who God says I am, which is a good wife and a good mother. And when I graduate in six months, I get to return home to my precious family who is waiting for me. When the world says you can't, faith says you can. Truth is, I have peace over the things that I did in my life. And Jesus forgives me. And his peace calms my soul. Truth is, I don't belong to any man. I'm his. And his perfect love casts out all my fears. Truth is, I wasn't alone in that hospital room. God was there with me, and he met me just in time, and we started this long journey of healing and restoration. And every day he reminds me that there's a plan and a purpose for my life. And Jesus said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That's what happens every day at Teen Challenge. 
And you know what? It's not an instantaneous thing. They don't walk through the door and magically get zapped or anything like that. You know what? It's a day-to-day struggle to walk through those painful things and allow Christ to heal them each and every day. Well, I, uh, I was slightly amiss earlier. You may have noticed when all the girls came up here to introduce themselves, it left a few people in the pew back there. And uh, I, I want to introduce my family to you. Uh, this, this ministry doesn't happen just by me. Uh, it, it happens with my wonderful husband, Chris, if you want to stand up. We, we do this, uh, direct this ministry as a team, and uh, I can do it without him. And then we have our oldest son, Josh. And my youngest son, Josiah, is right beside him. Awesome, Joe. And then my little girl, Anna. Chris was the program director for the the Men's Centre in Winnipeg. And um, we actually moved here from London, Ontario in 2010. And uh, in 2012, some of you may have remembered when the Brandon Centre used to be a Men's Centre. And in the, in the fall of 2011, uh, the board of directors and Brother Steve Paulson started to just really feel the call of God to open a women's center. I'm sure it's not surprising for people to realize that, you know what, women struggle with addiction just as much as men do. I think sometimes we didn't like to talk about it. We like to pretend it didn't happen, but the reality is that it does. And so in 2012, we opened our doors as a women's center. Uh, the men that were in Brandon moved to Winnipeg and, and took some of the beds there, and we opened our doors. Bethany was our second student. We had another woman named Pearl. And you know what, folks, since then, lives have been changed. And uh, this past summer, we've, we've had a few staffing challenges, and it's meant that I've had to be in Brandon at least three days out of the week. And, uh, and Chris, being the director in Winnipeg, obviously that's where we live. And um, I enjoy hanging out with my family. So it's been a challenge, as I'm sure you can appreciate. And last summer, uh, Chris and I just really felt God calling us to, to move to Brandon. So that's what we're in the process of doing. This, this uh, summer, when the kids finish their school year, we're going to be moving to Brandon so we can be there full-time and uh, get to hang out with these awesome women full-time and, and just take over that ministry. And God is... Um, he is opening doors that are unbelievable to us. We're going to be living right on the center property. We have almost five acres there. And um, last fall, when it, we were at Savannah's grad, we started telling people, you know, we need to raise money so that we can purchase a, a ready-to-move home, an RTM, and put it on there. And we were just going to, you know, put it on a cement pad. And, and uh, you know, it was probably two months ago, I got an email from Brother Steve, and it was basically this couple who had been at that at Savannah's graduation. They are in the process of building a new home and moving to Birds Hill, which is just a bit north of Winnipeg, as you may know. And uh, they emailed Brother Steve, and they said, you know, um, the home, our old home, we've lived in it for 40 years. God has done some amazing things there. And the, our land has been bought by a condo guy who's going to tear the house down and put condos up. Could you guys use our house? These folks have donated a house for us to move from Winnipeg to Brandon, and that's where my family and I are going to live. And folks, I love it when you step out in faith and God shows up and says, yes, my servants, this is what I want you to do. And that's exactly what God is doing for us. So you know what? Exciting things are happening in Brandon, and we are just so thrilled to be a part of it. I think for Anna, sometimes she isn't sure whether she doesn't just have this many sisters in her family, because as far as she's concerned, we're just all family. And, um, And I just, I love it. Right now, I'm I go from Wednesday till Sunday, and uh, Chris and the kids come down from Friday to Sunday, and, you know, like yesterday for brunch, we just all sit around on really, really big table and hang out and, and just be a family. And that's what I love about our center is it's very, very family. The thing about Teen Challenge is it's a place to find hope. Many, many people come to our center without any hope. 
I, 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 part of what I do is I do the admissions process and the number of women that call me or the number of moms or the number of grandmas or the numbers of dads that call me with a situation that seems hopeless. They're just, they're praying that there has to be hope out there and they reach out to us and, uh, and Teen Challenge offers that hope because we offer, you know, an understanding of who Christ is. So today I want to talk to you about a hope to hang on to. And, you know, I, uh, when I was a kid, some of you will probably remember this. There was this commercial that came out um, from Wendy's. And it was this little old lady who walks into the restaurant and orders a hamburger. And when she gets her hamburger, it's a gigantic bun and another gigantic bun. And then just this little, little, little piece of meat in there. And what does she say? Does anybody remember that commercial? Where's the beef? Exactly. And for years it felt like we would say, where's the beef? Where's the beef? It became this, this punchline for so many things. And uh, yeah, I'm dating myself, girls, but that's okay. <laughs> but the trouble is, you know what? In this world, that's true. It seems that the world promises an awful lot. But the reality is when we go to get it, it delivers very little. So lots of times you can go with what the world offers and end up saying, where's the beef? But you know, I think probably no matter who you are or what age you are, you can look back over your life and see that, you know what, life's not always easy. I don't know if anybody here has an easy life. I sure don't have an easy life. And I think the reality is all of us have had moments where we go, where's the beef? You know, Uh, your life can change from one moment to the next. And that change can throw your whole world upside down and turn it inside out. It seems like any time the wind starts blowing, it blows some kind of storm for us to go through. It might be an unexpected shower, just a little storm, like overhearing someone say a hurtful remark about you. Or it might be a full-fledged tornado demolishing the entire life for a season, like the loss of a loved one or the doctors telling you there is no hope. You know, life storms are pretty much a guarantee for us in this world. The Bible tells us this. In Job 5.7, We're told that a man will have troubles just as surely as sparks fly upward. You ever seen a campfire? When those logs start burning, the sparks, where do they go? They fly up, don't they? We heat our home in Brandon with a big wood boiler, and let me tell you, sometimes when we open that door, some flames come out and some sparks go up. But you know what? Where do they go? There's no direction other than up that a spark is going to go. And I think that's a pretty good indication if, Job, if it says in Job that, you know, we're going to have trouble as sure as sparks fly upward, that we're going to have trouble. And I think that we have to go, we're going to remember that we're going to go through storms in our life. And what are we supposed to do when we have storms? Are we supposed to fret and worry? Is that our God? Does he want us to sit down here and stew and, and, and wring our hands and think, how am I going to fix this? What am I going to do? Are we supposed to just give up hope? Well, in James 1 and 2, We're told to consider it a joy when we have storms. Have you ever thought, why on earth would we be told to have joy when we go through storms? Well, I think the reason is very clear. It's because we're to rely on God for everything, at all times. In order to do this, we have to have a faith that's strong. And just like muscles, faith will never grow unless you use it. If our life was easy, we wouldn't need faith. Would we need God? I think sometimes when we're up on those mountaintops, that's the easiest time to drift away from God because we think, oh, life's going so well, what do I really need him for? And I think when we're placed in the spot where we're going through a storm in our life, that's when we grow our faith. And we don't necessarily feel joy because we're having the storm in our life, but because it gives us another chance to develop that faith and to make us stronger. 
So let's look again. Uh, my brother already read this, but let's look again at Luke 8, 22 to 25. And what does it say there? It says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat, and they set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake, so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are going to drown. He got up, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided, and all was calm. And then he asked that important question. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked each other, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. I have to admit, if I was sitting in that boat that day, and I watched Jesus get up and rebuke the storm and watched it calm down, I would probably be pretty shocked and amazed myself. I think at this point, they're still learning who Christ is and learning they can put their faith in him. But I think there's three basic lessons that we can get from this passage. Three lessons that will help us to learn to develop our faith to a stronger level. The first one, we're going to have storms. We might as well get used to it. Many preachers say that if you have storms in your life, your faith isn't what it should be. I don't think that's entirely accurate. I believe that if you have storms in your life, it's because you're a human being. Because we all have storms. In our text today, the disciples had Jesus in the very boat that they were in, and they still had a dangerous storm. It's not like traveling with Jesus meant everything was sunshine and roses, you know. It's not like you would look out at the Sea of Galilee and see this one little spot that was Jesus in their boat with sunshine, and the rest of the storm was going around. No, they had Jesus in the boat with them and went through such a storm that they feared for their lives. James says that we should consider it a joy when storms come into our lives. He doesn't say if we have storms. He says when. So it's going to, it's going to happen. And I honestly think there's three categories to, to uh, people, including Christians. Those getting ready to enter a storm, those in the midst of a storm, and those that are just coming out of their storm. It just is life. Even Christians can fit into this category. There might be someone today who's experiencing a torrential downpour in their life. They might be wondering if their boat is finally going to sink. If this describes you, let me assure you right now that God will never abandon you. Sometimes circumstances get so bad that we make the wrong choice and maybe choose to walk away from him, but he will never abandon you and leave you. He might allow you to get really wet in your storm, and sometimes it may seem like you're drowning. But like Isaiah 40.10 says, we're promised that God will uphold us with his righteous right hand. The only true God of heaven, our God, he will always save you. Storms, they come into our life for a number of different reasons. Jonah went through a terrible storm. Why? Because he tried to disobey God and run away. But when he finally became submissive to God, what happened? The storm went away. I think we should all pause here and just thank God that he never let any of our storms come in the form of a hungry whale. Don't you think that's a good thing? I know I'm thankful for that. We bring storms into our lives too. Sometimes consequences that we bring upon ourselves by our decisions and our actions. If you decide to spend your entire paycheck on that beautiful new big screen TV, you'll suddenly find yourself with no money left to pay your bills. Cause and effect, you know, truth and reality. This is, this is the, re- the reality of what happens. Being impulsive like this can lead to debt over time, which eventually can lead to financial stress and hardship. So I think we can all agree that that's probably a storm that you've brought upon yourself, isn't it? And God's probably going to let you get pretty wet in that kind of a storm because he wants you to learn from it. And it might be very wet, 
But as long as you continue to walk with him, he will never let you drown. And that's the thing to remember. Sometimes it's the opposite. We can be doing exactly what God wants us to do, and we can still have trouble in our lives. For example, it's God's perfect will for each person who marries to marry another Christian. Does that mean it's guaranteed that your marriage will be perfect? Anybody here have a perfect marriage? I don't see. Oh, you do. (laughs) That guy right there. Oh, yeah, that's my husband. He says he has a perfect marriage. That's awesome. (laughs) Bonus points for him. (laughs) Reality is, you know what? It still requires effort. It requires sacrifice. It requires putting the other person first. You know, God's perfect will is that we'll raise our kids to know him. But sometimes, even kids that have been raised in the church will turn their back and go astray. We have storms, even when we've done everything in our humanness that we possibly can do to do it right. Reality is, Christians have as many and as bad as storms as non-Christians. We read in Matthew 5.45, He causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. It's very important that you don't listen to those who tell you that you're having storms because you lack faith. Jesus asked his disciples where their faith was, but that was not to say that the storm wouldn't occur. If but with their proper faith, they wouldn't have thought about the fact that they were going to perish. So Jesus wasn't saying the storm won't happen if you have faith. He's saying the storm may get really bad, but you'll never despair if you have faith. This is, I thought was interesting. It says, according to the Bureau of Standards in Washington, D.C., a dense fog that might cover a seven city blocks to a height of about 100 feet, is composed of less than one glass of water. Seven blocks, 100 feet, that fog is made up of less than one glass of water. So that amount of water is divided into about 60 billion tiny little droplets. Yet when those minute particles settle over a city, or over a countryside, I'm sure you guys can get some pretty good fog out here too, they can almost blot out everything from your sight. Well, you know, many people including Christians, can live their lives in a fog. They can allow a cup full of troubles or a small storm to cloud their vision and dampen their spirit. Anxiety, turmoil, and defeat can strangle their thoughts. You'll always have troubles come into your life, folks. That is just the reality. There's nothing you can do about it, but it's not because of your lack of faith. During those troubles, it's important to remember that in your faith you'll remember that you're not going to perish. God has promised us that. Okay, so we realize, you know what? We're going to have troubles. It's just a fact of life. Point number two, storms are not going to make an appointment. The Sea of Galilee, as I was looking at this, is about 600 feet below sea level, surrounded by a lot of really rocky mountains, and these ravines carry water down to the sea. They also can act as wind tunnels when there is no water in there, and by the time the wind hits the water, it's ferocious. So it's very, very common for the Sea of Galilee to kind of all of a sudden be calm one moment and, and ferociously stormy the next. And in, in what is, this is exactly what the disciples encountered when they were with Christ. And, you know, to show you how bad this storm was, we need to remember that these disciples, they were professional fishermen. They probably prided themselves on the fact that they really knew how to read the weather. And they probably set out that day thinking, ah, we're good. It's all going to be fine. And what happened? They suddenly had a storm in their life. That storm gave no indication of arriving, and they were scared, thinking death is imminent. We're about to die. And you know what? I can promise you this. The storms in your life, 
They're not going to call you ahead of time to see if it's a convenient time for them to land in. It's just not going to happen. They'll be totally unexpected. So we need to be prepared for a storm before it hits. I mean, we watch that, you know, hurricane's going to come and hit Florida. What do they do? They get prepared. And we need to do the same. Knowing storms are going to come, we need to be prepared. And how do we do that? We stay in his word. We read the Bible every single day, no matter what the circumstances. Read those verses about faith and God's promises. Verses like Psalm 91, verse 4. And we have it up there on the screen. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Write that down and tape it to your bathroom mirror or your fridge door, somewhere you're going to see it all the time. And say it aloud to yourself over and over. And if you get into the habit of reading his word and then speaking it aloud, you know what you're going to see? You're going to start to see amazing faith grow in yourself. There is power in speaking God's word. You know, it's kind of like these little sweet kiddos that were up here this morning. You know, that we tell a toddler he can walk. You know, we talk about it and we we say, yeah, you can do it, you can do it. Eventually, what does he do? He takes his first step. But as we grow older, what happens? We're told we can't do it anymore or we should never do this. I think lots of times we encourage kids to go and do things that they could never do. And then sometimes by the time we're adults, we're like, well, you can't do that. What do you think you're doing? You can't do that. I think that's what happens to us. We hear positive, and that spurs us to do things we could never do before, but then we end up hearing negatives that keep us from doing what God created us to do. God wants us to have an abundant spiritual life. The enemy prowls around, it says in his word, like a roaring lion looking to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want you to have any abundance in your life. So the lesson here is simple. There's power in words, more power than any of us realize. So be very aware. Stand on God's promises and don't speak words of destruction. Remember our faith. Faith is not believing the worst because of our circumstances, but believing God in spite of our circumstances. Instead of looking out and seeing the fear of the storm, let's look inward and the calm of Jesus on our souls, like that song we sang this morning. And this leads us to point three. Jesus is with you and he remains calm. You know, when they were sitting in that boat, what was Jesus doing? He was down there having a snooze. He was so not worried about that storm. He was just down there getting some rest. He knew he was fine. He knew he was safe. And I think we need to remember that. You know, you could pray for a promotion at work, and then you go to work, and, you know, you find out the boss wants to talk to you, and you start to get excited, thinking, okay, wow. You know, you you walk to his office, and you start thanking God and saying, wow, God, I can't believe you really did this. I'm going to get this promotion. And you walk in the door, and you sit down, and what does your boss say to you? You know, our company's losing money, and we're going to have to downsize, and it starts with you. And you go to clean out your desk and you start asking God, why would you do this to me? I prayed for this and this is my answer. You know what, folks? In that boat, Jesus slept. He was calm while the disciples panicked. We can see the folly in their way of thinking, I think. We can see where they had nothing to worry about because Jesus was right there with them. But when we go through storms, don't we tend to do the same thing? Don't we call out to God in a panic just like they did? They had the physical presence of Christ, and they call out in a panic. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, and we can call out in a panic. It's easy for us to believe in those things that we can see, feel, or hear, but we need to believe totally in God, even when we see no evidence that he's there or that he's working. That's faith. Let's remember that God will not always calm the storm that's raging all about us, but because of our faith in him, when we cry out for help, he'll calm us as we go through the storm. You might not be able to see God this morning, but he can see you, and he's never going to let you drown. 
I referenced Isaiah 41.10 a moment ago, and let's read it together. It says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's Savannah's verse. That's one she stands on. All the girls, when they they start thinking about their testimony, they have to pick a verse, and that's the one she stands on. And I'm sure it's because when the storms of her life come, she knows, she can remember, God's got her. God has her in his hand. She doesn't need to despair. Because you know what? Our God, he's that hope that we can hang on to. The hope that we need to live for every day. You know, I'm sure you all know Teen Challenge was founded by a man named David Wilkerson. And David lived for this hope. David was an amazing man who had a heart after God. And he most definitely had storms in his life. If you know anything about the story of, of the beginning, beginnings of Teen Challenge, and he was dealing with some really difficult men who were gangs in the streets of New York. I'm thinking that when Nicky Cruz had a knife to his throat, ready to kill him, he was probably feeling like he was in a storm that day. But you know what? David knew who to cling on to in those moments. On April 27, 2011, David was killed in a tragic car accident. And his family, you know, as you do when, when something like that happens, you go, and after, you know, you get through the funeral and all the tough stuff, you go and you start cleaning out their things, and you start packing stuff up. And, and they went, and, and they turned on his computer. And then when his computer came to life, uh, David had a blog. And his last blog entry, he had actually done it that morning that he was killed. And uh, I want to read it to you. He titled it, When All Means Fail, When You've Tried Everything Humanly Possible by David Wilkerson, April 27, 2011. He wrote, To believe when all means fail is exceedingly pleasing to God and is most acceptable. Jesus said to Thomas, You have believed because you have seen, but blessed are those that do, not, that do believe and have not seen. John twenty twenty nine. Blessed are those who believe when there is no evidence of an answer to prayer, who trust beyond hope when all means have failed. Someone has come to the place of hopelessness, the end of hope, the end of all means. A loved one is facing death, and doctors give no hope. Death seems inevitable. Hope is gone. The miracle prayed for is not happening. That is when Satan's hordes come to attack your mind with fear, anger, and overwhelming questions. Where is your God now? You prayed until you had no tears left. You fasted. You stood on promises. You trusted. Blasphemous thoughts can be interjected into your mind. Prayer failed. Faith failed. Don't quit on God, but just don't trust him anymore. It doesn't pay. Even questioning God's existence can be interjected into your mind. These have been the devices of Satan for centuries. Some of the godliest men and women who ever lived were under such demonic attacks. This uh, This is the part of his blog that I love the most. He says, To those who are going through the valley of the shadow of death didn't even realize he was about to go there himself. He said, hear these words. Weeping will last through some dark, awful nights. And in that darkness, you will soon hear the Father whisper, I am with you. I cannot tell you why right now, but one day it will all make sense. You will see it was all part of my plan. It was no accident, and it was no failure on your part. Hold fast. Let me embrace you in your hour of pain. Beloved, God has never failed to act, but in goodness and love. When all means fail, his love prevails. Hold fast to your faith. Stand fast in his word. There is no other hope in this world. Church, that is a hope to hang on to. Let's pray. Father, 
You are such an awesome God. And I just thank you for the reminder that, you know what, when it seems we're at the end of ourselves, that you're still there and you're waiting for us. And Father, I just, I just thank you so much for that. And I thank you for these words of, uh, of David, Lord, that just, just resonate in our hearts. Because you know what, sometimes, Father, we do find ourselves there. We find ourselves at the end of hope. And Lord, we're going to cling to you. And we're going to stand firm on who you are and trust that you have everything worked out. And Lord, I just pray for anyone who's here today, Lord, who is walking through that horrible storm in their life. Father, I pray that you would minister to them. I pray that you would just fill them with such an abundance of your love and your peace. Lord, bring that calm to their heart, that calm to their soul, that they'll remember that you are there, that you are their hope. Hope is never lost as long as they keep their eyes on you. Lord, we just uh, thank you for this time that we've had to be together, and I, I just pray that you would um, just minister to each person in a special way today. In your name, amen.